Praise God, dear brothers and dear sisters. It's good to see everyone here. It's good to see new faces. And it's good to see um, faces that are very familiar. So maybe not as new. Uh, it's, it's really good to, to be here with, with uh, fellow believers that are young and are passionate after the Lord. And, you know, they, you guys have careers and stuff. You're going to school. You're working, and then you come here on Tuesday night, and you praise God. That's, that's a grace that's given to us right now, and that we shouldn't take for granted. I want to read one place before we go into worship. Um, one place from the Bible written in Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. In fact, I want to read kind of a little bit before that as well, in order to give us a better picture of what's happening. It says, um, in, the year, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So, and this is the key verse. Listen to this. I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And the key phrase here is, I gave my attention to the Lord. This is Daniel speaking. If you aren't familiar with this man named Daniel, Daniel wrote a book in the Bible. Um, a Daniel, part of a Daniel's book is called the Old Testament Revelation. Like his book is divided into his life and then kind of visions of the future in the second part of his book. Daniel wrote all that. Uh, Daniel was the guy who got thrown into the lion's den for not worshiping the king and worshiping God in front of everyone. Just as he did before, he hears there's a new decree, continues to worship God. Uh, Daniel was the guy who, um, along with his friends, refused to eat the food that was offered to them. And they ate only what was acceptable uh, in their religion and in their culture, being Jewish uh, food that wasn't sacrificed to idols. And that could have cost them their life. That could have cost the life of the people that was, you know, overseeing them. And he did that. That was Daniel, right? In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel isn't young now, right? Daniel it has been a congressman. Daniel has been a senator by now. Daniel has been the secretary of state. Daniel has been in many positions. And this is what he says. He says, I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications. And we have to ask ourselves a question. Was Daniel not seeking the Lord prior to this? We know very well by the Bible that he was. He was very systematic in the way he was seeking his God. His prayers were systematic every day, three times a day. Law, no law, he prayed. Um, I don't know if any of us do that. So this is Daniel. Daniel is someone who's seeking God through his life systematically. And then something happens. He says he, he, he was reading the Bible and God opened to him that there's these 70 years that Jeremiah prophesied about. These are the 70 years that have just been complete. Like start doing something. And Daniel starts to seek God. And he says, I gave my attention to the Lord. You see, um, Daniel was a very big influential person in uh, the empire that he was in. And Daniel had a very busy schedule. Anyone here have a busy schedule? You could raise your hand. Like, we don't have to compare ourselves to Daniel, but we do. Some of us less so. Some of us have like a little break right now. Some of us are getting into it. Um, and, you know, uh, as much as we like to hear, and I have nothing against this. I do this. But driving to work or driving to school, turning on the Bible app, and just having the Bible app read the, the verses or whatever the, the daily reading is. And you're driving, there's traffic, you're, you're, you're in a hurry, you're trying to flip through your stuff, seeing if you forgot anything. And you're trying to listen the whole time because this is going to count for your daily Bible reading plan. And if you're not going to listen, if you feel convicted, you're going to have to reread that. And that's going to take up more of your time. You get what I'm saying? And so, and so you, you try to, we try to pack everything, right? We pack everything into... Or, or we're driving back from our, our school or back from our jobs, and we pray. You know, we got 20, 15 minutes. You're like, this is a good time to pray. And so we pray, and there's nothing wrong with praying in your car. Nothing wrong. Praying in tongues, praying in tongues. 
pray, pray just, you know, thank God or ask God for help. That's, that's absolutely perfectly normal. But there's a difference between praying in your car while you're driving from point A to point B, from one clinical to another clinical, and, and you have to battle really hard to keep your mind and your thoughts and your heart on the Lord. And it's another thing when you wake up at 5 or 6 in the morning before you have to go to your job, before you have to go to school, and you pray. And you dedicate a time, and as Daniel says, you give your attention to the Lord. It's another thing when you come back from school and you, and you separate the time and you, and you steal, literally steal the time from something else and you, and you lock yourself in the room and it's just you and the Bible and you read. And you reread and you say, God, please, there's something here. I understand that there's something here. Show it to me because I can't really grasp what it is, but I know it's there. And God reveals it to us. Giving our attention to the Lord. You see, and gathered here, we have already come to this place and we already, you know, maybe made some sacrifices um, to be here. I would highly encourage us to give all of our undivided attention today, right now, for the next one and a half hours to the Lord. That's, that's not much to ask, I would think so. You guys are already here. And I believe that we do have a decision, whether we listen to every sermon that is spoken as the word of God and maybe even pray for the preacher, whether we sing these songs and we sing them with all of our heart and we say, Lord, I do worship you, not just with words, but with my heart, giving full attention, undivided attention, thoughts coming in and you fight those thoughts, anything that, you know, is happening in your life and just undivided attention to the Lord. I think God will bless us because, uh, after Daniel had this great revelation of God and he does his prayer, a very popular, a very um, powerful prayer, I would say. Daniel sees visions, some terrifying, some not, but wonderful visions that men today just study and they try to take apart. And some maybe get some parts, some don't. Wonderful revelations that Daniel received through giving his attention fully to the Lord. I believe that's something that we should do once in a while in our lives. We read, we pray, but once in a life it's good. Whatever you do, drive out somewhere and pray to God. Maybe just put a, get yourself a day or an hour in a day where you, where you seek the face of God. And as today, let's give, we're, we're already here. We're here because of God. Let's already just take what we have and fight with our thoughts, fight with our hearts, with, with everything that we have to focus today on God, to glorify God to bring him praise and to say, Lord, what is it that you have prepared for me? What do you want me to change? What do you want me to take out of the service? I believe God will bless us if that is our mindset. Amen? Amen. Galatians chapter 6. Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work. And then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. The one who is taught, uh, who, the, one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are the household of the faith. So with, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so that you will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
through which the word the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. Praise God, brothers and sisters. So, in the spirit of thanksgiving, I was uh, thinking and, and meditating, and I said, you know what? I'm going to speak about a thankful heart. We all have thankful hearts, I assume, and uh, let's just go right ahead and open up to First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses uh, 18. It says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, can anybody tell me who wrote the book of 1 Thessalonians? You got to speak up. I can't hear you. Paul? That's great. Paul. So, we're going to focus on the life of Paul as the perfect example of a, of a thankful heart. In 2 Corinthians um, chapter 11, verses 16 Chapter 11, verses 16 to 33. Actually, no. Uh, chapter 11, verses 24 through 29. Paul writes these things. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. That is a handful of just bad things that Paul was going through. Yet, if you read on, you know, his other epistles, He's constantly, constantly telling them to keep on praising God and to keep on thanking him for all the good that he's done for them. For example, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19, he says, Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So knowing, knowing that Paul went through all of these things, in, in 2 Corinthians, knowing all of these, this list that he just creates for, for the people in, in the Corinth, how, how, you, you say to yourself, how can he be saying, like, give thanks to all, through all things and through all situations? It's hard to imagine, right? Like, we can't, we can't you know, give praise when you're in a shipwreck and you're adrift at sea, and how can you give thanks through all these things, you know? But yet Paul, uh, he finds a way. And uh, he shows us that having a thankful heart full of praise is a way of living. It's not, it's not once a year. It's not Thanksgiving, 22nd of, of, uh, of uh, November. It's not just this one day. It's, it's throughout your whole entire year. It's throughout your life. You've got you to gotta keep on Thanksgiving. You've got to give on giving God the praise, even though you're going through bad times or good times. And uh, when we look at unthankful people, ungrateful people, we see, we see they all have similar traits. We see, like, we see them as bitter and selfish and dissatisfied with the things they have. And, uh, you know, they're jealous. They say, oh, but he has this and I don't have that, you know. And we just, we just don't, we don't see God in their lives when, they're, when they don't just thank God through, through the things that they have. And uh, ingratitude and thanklessness is becoming a common trait for, for, for us Christians today. We're constantly, um, uh, you know, trying to find excuses not to thank God. We're like, we're too busy. We don't have time to thank God. You know, this is not a really a big blessing, so I'm just going to forget about it and not thank God for it. But it says, uh, Romans chapter 1, it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. This is a strong verse. When I read it, I said, wow, because this, it says, for although they knew God, 
they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So when I, when I was looking at my life, I, I see all the blessings that I have in my life. I see all the good things and all the, you know, the bad things that I have in my life. And yet sometimes uh, me, myself, I don't, I don't acknowledge God in the things that, that, um, that he did for me. And it says, although they knew God, you know, I know God, but sometimes I, I, don't, I don't praise him for the things that he's given me. I don't give him thanks for the things that he's given me. And, uh, and it says, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. You know, I said, God, please keep me away from that. I don't want my, my heart to be darkened. I don't want my thoughts to become futile. I will praise your name. I will glorify your name. I will thank you in everything because you've given me everything. And even though, you know, they're not good things or they might be hard things, I will still glorify your name because at the end of the day, you're still God and you have everything in control and uh, you're just God. Hallelujah, you know. And uh, as we move on towards the end of the year, um, there's just some things that, that I wanted to address uh, that we can thank God for every day in our lives. You know, the first one is material possessions. And again, we, we turn back to the life of Paul. And uh, again, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 12, he says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. That's a strong word right there, content. In all things, every situation, you got to be content. So Paul's saying, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty in hunger, abundance, and need. And this next verse, a lot of people like to take it out of context, but I see it. In the new light here when I read it today, he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. How many of you have heard that verse? Yes, we've all heard that verse. And we all love that verse. We all say, you know, hallelujah, God can do everything through me because he can strengthen me and this and that. But the verse before it says, I, I am to be content in everything. I am to be, you know, even if you're going through, through hard times or easy times, he can do all things through, uh, he can do all things he can do all things through him who strengthens me. <clears throat> and um, I read this thing one time, and I'm going to share it with you guys because I thought it was very fantastic. It says, um, a $300 watch will tell you the same time as a $30 watch. And a Ford will drive you just as far as a Mercedes would. So w when we look at our material possessions, we can say, I have a $300 watch. But the guy that's the happiest is going to be the guy that has the $5 watch. And uh, I'm not saying, like, happiness is, is, is dependent on, on material things. But I'm saying, like, people find a way to thank God for even the smallest things in their lives. You don't have to have a million dollars to say, wow, God has truly blessed me in my life. And, uh, you know, this Thanksgiving, I want us to focus on, on thanking God for the things that we have and not asking him for, for more, you know, material blessings or for more, for more uh, just things. We just got to thank him and just be content with what we, what we have. Uh, you know, our families, our, our, our things, our material possessions, our jobs, if we have any, our school. You know, we, we, have to be, we have to be thankful because a lot of people in this world, they don't have the opportunity to go to school. They don't have the opportunity to make a dollar. But we do. So, um, Let's just thank God through that, this Thanksgiving, and even today. So the second thing I want to uh, thank God for, that we can thank God for uh, this Thanksgiving, is thanking God through our trials and temptations. We all know the story about Job, right? And how he was stripped away, uh, God stripped, I mean, not God, but Satan stripped away everything from him because God allowed it. And uh, at the end of the day, Job still said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And if you read on, if you read on in that verse, he says this, um, and God was, uh, and he did not find God uh, guilty in any of the, in any of the things. I just got to clarify real quick if that's truly what it says. Uh, going to be Job chapter 1. Uh, Verses, verse 22, in all this, Job did not charge sin. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. 
So this is, this is, you know, might be only for me. I'm speaking to myself, first of all, before I speak to you guys. Um, we try to blame God for a lot of things in our lives. You know, we lose our job. We say, God, how can you, how can you make me lose my job? I don't have anything now. How am I going to pay for my bills? God, why did you do this in my life? God, why did you take this away from me or do this? And th- why didn't you do that? We try to blame God for everything. But um, we have to be thankful, you know. God, God is the God of order. He knows everything that's going to happen. He already knows what you're going to do, you know, tomorrow. He, he knows everything. If you, lose, if you lose your job, it's probably part of his plan, you know. So uh, let's just thank God through our trials and our, uh, our struggles and our temptations, and um, let's keep God first in our lives. Uh, the third thing I want us to thank God for this Thanksgiving is our friends and the people around us and our close ones and our families and just everybody that makes you smile. And uh, I thank God for every day for my friends. My friends are the best, and uh, they are just, they're just my, my support system, and I cannot thank God enough for, for all the friends that I have in my life. You know who you are. Some of them might not be here, but some of them are here. And um, let's thank God for the people around us. And then the fourth and the fifth thing I want us to thank God for is, is kind of like the more spiritual side of things. So we want to thank God for our salvation in Jesus Christ. We want to thank God for, 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 for letting him reveal himself to us. We got to thank him for the salvation because there's people in this world that don't know about God. They don't know about salvation. They don't know about uh, the, great, the great gift that God has given us. And we have to thank him this Thanksgiving, even if today in this next prayer, we're going to thank him, you know, for, for giving us salvation, for giving us his son that died on the cross for our sins. And uh, Paul, Paul writes about this. I, again, go back to Paul because we're focusing on him in this, in this sermon. He says in, uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, Thanks be to God for, him, for his indescribable gift. He, he knows, Paul knows that the gift he's given, uh, that God has given us is just indescribable. It's, it, he uses this word, indescribable. I don't know if, I don't know if the translators, uh, you know, use this word or this word or or the original Greek people or Hebrew or whoever translated it used this word. But indescribable—that's a great word. You can't describe this gift, and we have to thank God for it every single day. And the last thing I want us to focus on thanking God for this Thanksgiving is His continued presence and power and work in our lives. Every day we can see God's hand move. And me speaking from personal experience. Uh, I've seen God's hand move a lot in my life. If I look back a year from now, it's my life is just 180 degrees, which is great, fantastic. I love it, and I thank God every single day. I say, God, you are amazing, you are awesome, and I will continue praising you because you have changed my life. And and it's it's not just you know it's it's not just a overnight. Hey, I go to bed, I wake up in the morning, I'm all spiritual. Hallelujah, praise Jesus. Let's go on with the day. It's a gradual thing. I've been through struggles. I've been through downs and ups, and every day has just been a, has just been a, a fight for me, you know. But every day I see God's hand, you know, more and more powerful in my life, and I and I I just thank God every day for it. I can't I can't say enough. And um, if you don't have that in your life, this next prayer I ask that you guys say, God, I need your I need your presence in my life. I need you continue working in my life. And if you haven't already been working in my life, I need you to just, just come into my life, reveal yourself to me, save me from my sin, and just show me the right way. Show me your will for my life because it'll change your life. It'll, it'll, it's the best thing that will ever happen to you. And I just want to thank God with you guys in this Thanksgiving for, for, um, for, for, for God. And uh, this, this last thing I, I want to say is the true mark of a Christian, the true mark of a true Christian is their joyful and thankful heart all the time. If you see a, a man, he's, he's joyful. If you see a man and he's, he's just happy all the time, you know he's a Christian because God's joy is in him and he is content with what he has and he has everything. He has everything. I say he has everything because when he, when he has everything, he has God and God is everything. Amen? Amen. So uh, in this prayer... Um, Let's, let's bow down on our knees and thank God for all the good he's done for us and 
for all the good that he will do for us. And uh, let's just praise God together. Amen. Слава Господу. Сегодня я хотел бы поговорить на такую тему, как сила слова. В последнее время я и сейчас, в принципе, читаю притчи, и многое, что Бог мне стал открывать в них, я прохожу и сейчас, и слава Богу, что Бог дает мне слово. И я как-то вспомнил некоторые моменты еще из детства, или те, которые случались еще в России, когда я жил, вспоминал те слова мамы, когда она подбодряла меня, там, «Сынок, иди в школу», или «Сделай уроки», а ты не хочешь, но слова мамы, они, хочешь не хочешь, они все равно тебя подбодряли, не заставляла она даже, потому что сердце твое менялось, и ты просто хотел. Или, например, тебе грустно или еще что-то, папа или мама всегда утешали, и я просто так задумался, и интересно мне было, вот почему слова, их слова, которые они говорили мне, они изменяли меня, они изменяли меня и подбадривали меня. И я прочитал притчи, и хочу сейчас зачитать стих один, притчи 16 глава, 24 стих. «Приятная речь, сотовый мед, сладка для души и целебна для костей». И я хотел сказать, здесь написано, что «приятная речь» — это сотовый мед. И я что хотел сказать, что Божье Слово, оно имеет силу. Я верю, что Божье Слово имеет силу. Потому что даже мир был создан по Божьему Слову. Бог по Слову Своему создал и землю, и все, что на земле, и человека, и природу. И все, что окружает нас, Бог создал по Слову. И Он заложил силу в Слово, даже слова человеческие. И я также хотел прочитать стих притчи 18.22. «Смерть и жизнь во власти языка» и любящие его вкусят от плодов его. И как-то хотел, я бы хотел бы вас спросить, что вы испытывали, когда, когда, например, вы слышали в свой адрес какие-то добрые слова, или, например, кто-то сказал вам, назвал вас по имени, вас поздравил, или вы, например, чего-то достигли и вас похвалили, подбодрили, что вы испытываете при этом и что вы получаете внутри? Я, я думаю, что, как и я, все, каждый из вас получает определенное подбодрение и прилив сил. И это даже твердит Слово Божье, что целебно для костей. И все, что, каждое слово, оно имеет силу, но имеет разные основания. Или это будет благословение, или это будет проклятие. Представьте такую ситуацию, что наоборот, когда вы слышите в свой адрес какую-то клевету, когда вы слышите в свой адрес какую-то какую ложь или вам, вам как-то обращаются равнодушно, равнодушно или просто вас не уважают, и словесно это вы чувствуете, и вы чувствуете это не только словесно, вы это чувствуете сердцем своим, потому что вы чувствуете, что основания этих слов, они, они несут вред, потому что слова эти имеют плохое основание, которое несут только проклятие. И хотел также прочитать притчи 17.9. «Прикрывающий проступок ищет любви, а кто снова напоминает о нем, тот удаляет друга». Здесь пишет о том, что представьте, если вы со своим другом поссорились, потому что друг что-то сделал вам, ну, он ошибся. Мы все люди не без греха, и, к примеру, он ошибся, и... Потом вы помирились. И мудрый человек, он не будет не укорять его и не напоминать его о том, что он сделал до этого. Потому что мудрый человек, он ищет любви во всем. А кто напоминает, тот будет удалять друга. Он будет разрушать отношения со своим другом. И также я хотел поделиться одной историей, которая случилась у меня еще, когда я учился в России в девятом классе. В девятом классе мы должны сдавать экзамены, выбирая предметы. И я не знаю, слышали вы, может, это, может, нет, но в России выбирать английский язык, людей таких называли в школе у нас самоубийцы. Я был вот один из тех, который решил все-таки сдавать английский язык. Мой английский был очень низкий, и учитель это знал. 
В нашем классе решили выбрать английский язык я и моя одноклассница, у которой был очень хороший английский язык. Учитель, узнав, что я выбрал английский язык на уроке, смотрел на меня выпущенными глазами, и я все понял, что она точно уже настроилась меня как можно сильнее загнобить и сказать, что точно, Саша, это, это не твое, Саш, поменяй лучше предмет, я тебе советую. И так и началось. Она постоянно высказывала и постоянно показывала, и это было видно в классе, что ученица, которая хорошо училась, у нее все получалось, у меня, у меня ничего не... У меня что получалось, что нет, но я при этом чувствовал и, и была потеря сил, потому что часто учитель просто высказывал, что он не верит, что я сдам экзамены. Я стал молиться Господу, и я в молитве верил, что Бог сильнее, что Божье Слово, Божье обетование, и что Бог сделает это сильнее от того Слова, которое было сказано словом учителя. И я просто почувствовал стержень внутри себя. Я внутри... Я Молился, и я чувствовал, и на протяжении всего девятого класса я чувствовал этот стержень. И говорил про себя, что да, я сдам экзамен, и учитель будет неправ. Я, я просто был в этом уверен. Я молился, и у меня был внутри этот стержень. Бог мне дал стержень. Также я благодарю Бога, что Бог также подбадривал меня и через маму. Мама мне постоянно говорила, Саша, у тебя все получится, я верю в тебя. И это еще больше меня подбадривало. И в итоге, когда мы сдавали экзамены, результаты экзаменов были мой и результат моей одноклассницы были одинаковы. То есть тот же балл, один в один. Это был 4 с плюсом. По американским меркам, я думаю, это будет B+. Это не самый, хороший, не самый лучший, но это был хороший результат, на который я даже не надеялся. И учитель, учитель сам не надеялся и... В этот момент он понял, что он был неправ. И я просто очень радовался. И мама говорила, что да, действительно, Бог сделал чудо, потому что ты, Саш, английский не знал, а тут ты за год ты поднял очень хорошо свой английский. И также я хотел прочитать притчи, 6 главу, с 12 по 9, 12 по 19 стих. В этих стихах Бог говорит о том, что Бог ненавидит. Мы знаем, что Бог ненавидит грех. И также здесь перечисляется о, том, о вещах, о семи вещах, которые Бог ненавидит. С 12 стиха. Перед падением... Человек лукавый, человек нечестивый ходит с лживыми устами, мигает глазами своими, говорит ногами своими, дает знаки пальцами своими, коварство в сердце его. Он умышляет зло, во всякое время сеет раздоры, зато внезапно придет погибель его, вдруг будет разбит без исцеления. Вот шесть, что ненавидит Господь, даже семь, что мерзость в душе его». Глаза гордые, язык лживый и руки, проливающие кровь невинную. Сердце, кующее злые замыслы, ноги, быстро бегущие к злодейству. Лжесвидетель, наговаривающий ложь и сеющий раздор между братьями. И здесь Бог снова упоминает, что одно из того, что Бог ненавидит, это лжесвидетель, это ложь и клевета на другого человека. И я тоже... Был такой экспириенс, я думаю, у каждого из вас в общении с многими людьми бывает такое, что ты общаешься с человеком, и ты просто чувствуешь, от него тянет просто негативом. Ты вроде бы общаешься, и он ни на что не намекает. Это, это его стиль речи. Но ты, например, вы начали с ним общаться и стали обсуждать, я не говорю, что обсуждать человека, это там или хорошо, или плохо, просто смотря, что вы говорите о человеке. Бывает, вы начинаете говорить о человеке, о котором, которого, вы обсуждаете человека, которого вы лично знаете, и ваш собеседник говорит и высказывает все о него с плохой стороны. И тогда вы, я, я лично испытывал, я чувствовал, что давило на меня, потому что я знаю человека, это он классный человек, с ним и хорошо общаться, я его знаю очень хорошо, 
а ты тут высказываешь с ним такие, такие вещи. И часто вот эти, вот эти семена, это все, что все злые слова, которые наговаривают, это все семена, и они сеются, они сеются, они капают, и они просто давят. Например, в ситуации, если ты общаешься с каким-то человеком, и вы обсуждаете человека, которого ты не знаешь, и собеседник, который тебе рассказывает, что он такой плохой, он такой секой, то я думаю, что процентов 90 могут это слово принять. Потому что я один, я один из тех, которые испытывал такие вещи, как было одно время, что я немножко даже с презрением относился к человеку, хотя это неправильно потому что я его не знал. Мне просто на него ну, наговорили, и я как бы общался там, привет, привет, ну только в, таком, э, в таких отношениях. Но когда Бог дал мне возможность с ним познакомиться лично и пообщаться, я совсем узнал его по-другому, совсем с другой перспективы. И я подумал, вот какое я имел право подумать об этом человеке или выслушать ту ложь, которую мне говорили. И... И просто вот эти все семена, это, это все сеется. Каждый человек, свой, как пишет в Библии, что от плодов у своих пожнет человек. Слово — это так же самое плоды. Это то, что мы сеем. Если мы словом сеем раздоры, если мы словом сеем тернии, то думаем получить потом благословение, пшеницу, то мы не получим никаких плодов, потому что вырастет тернии из наших слов. Но если мы благословляем людей, если мы сеем добрые плоды, если мы сеем яблони, если сеем пшеницу, то мы будем надеяться, что в жизни мы получим благословение, мы получим то, что мы взрастили. И также хотел прочитать притчи, тоже притчи, 10 глава, 11 стих. «Уста праведника – источник жизни, уста же беззаконных заградит насилие». Здесь пишут «Уста же беззаконных заградит насилие». Для меня, в первую очередь, это было не очень понятно, но я немножко так поразмышлял, и я как понял, что уста беззаконных, здесь имеется в виду, как заградит насилие, это прячет зло. То есть любой человек, который говорит зло, который говорит беззаконие, он за своей речью он скрывает зло. То есть это основание, на котором устраивается его речь, это это зло, которое сеется, сеется в каждого человека. И я верю также в силу Божию, что Бог разрушает все эти семена, даже посеянные при разговоре в тебя, или ты, когда ты в молитве, в обращении, если ты раскаешься перед Богом, то Бог разрушает. И Бог также видит, что если, например, слова эти были обращены в твой в твой адрес, и они, конечно, тебя тронули, они сердце твое тронули. И это, это, это жизнь. Так получается, что в любом случае слово тебя тронет. Но если человек твердо доверяет Богу, если он просит у Бога благословений, то Бог разрушает всякое проклятие и разрушает все то слово, разрушает всякую обиду и дает благословение. Также я хотел рассказать о событии, которое было буквально неделю назад. Это было в понедельник прошлый. У меня как раз в школе был day off, и надо было с утра решить некоторые дела. И после обеда, немножко уставший, я пришел к бабушке, и смотрю, смотрю у бабушки в гостях женщина, это был сосуд пророчествующий, и моя тетя. Моя бабушка часто ходит на молитвы сосудами, и меня часто она тоже приглашала, я... Одно время даже ходил по несколько раз на месяц, потому что мне это очень нравилось. И как-то пришел, и в тот день э, было тяжело на сердце, и я не особо хотел ни молиться, ничего. Я просто пришел к бабушке, она, она мне показала, что есть покушать. Я быстро забежал на кухню, взял еду, э, чай сделал и убежал в другую комнату, заперся, и они продолжали общаться. Я думал, ладно, надеюсь, меня не заметили. И вот... Э, Через время они начали молиться. И бабушка стучится ко мне и говорит, «Саша, а ты что с нами не молишься?» Я говорю, «Ну ладно, бабушка, пошли, я, я с вами помолюсь сегодня». И мы пошли и как раз стали молиться за меня. И у меня 
разные, конечно, мысли были до этого. Я не особо хотел молиться, потому что, было, не знаю, наверное, было такое состояние, что если мне еще скажут, что, я знаю, что Бог часто обличал меня, и я, я помню, что Бог часто меня обличал через многих сосудов, указывал на ошибки. Так же само Бог и подкреплял меня через, через разные слова, которые Он мне говорил. И в этот день слова, которые были сказаны мне, я просто удивился, и просто у меня сердце загорелось, потому что в своих словах Господь сказал, что Он любит меня, что Он меня избрал, что и много-много было, что именно подбадривало меня. Не было, я потому что первоначально я ожидал, что мне скажет, ты, ты грешник, ты, тебе нужно покаяться, и тебе нужно изменить свой образ жизни. Я как бы это знаю, и я стремлюсь к Богу, но в тот момент у меня сердце было такое, что, например, если бы я услышал такие слова, они меня ничуть бы не подбодрили. Я думаю, они бы даже меня не изменили, может, даже хуже сделал. Но Бог в тот момент, Он видел сердце, и Он хотел подбодрить. Он хотел просто... Потому что Бог знает сердце каждого, Он знает мысли каждого и нужды каждого, и Он знает, что каждому сказать. Он знает, когда нужно обличать, Он знает, когда нужно подбодрять, когда нужно наставлять. И Бог, Бог любит каждого из нас, и, и в каждый момент даст нужное слово. И хотел сказать также, что, что слова которые мы говорим, мы должны говорить на благословение каждому человеку. Мы должны с, с мудростью использовать каждое слово, и чтобы семя, которое мы сеяли, это было семя, приносящее плод. Не приносящее тернии, но приносящее плод и имеющее доброе основание. И пусть нас Господь благословит на этом, а нашему Господу за все слава. Praise God. Uh, so I've been told that uh, my sermons, you would call them, they're more of, you would call them a convicting sermon, and I've been told that a lot, and this sermon today is no different, <laughs> but um, the verse in Galatians today that we read, the Galatians chapter 6 is, restore a one with a spirit of gentleness, so you yourselves may not be tempted. When I come up here and when I say stuff against, you guys are the bride of Christ, the church is the bride of Christ. When I say some, if I say something against you, if I put you guys down, God quickly puts me in my place. And so when I'm speaking, today I'm going to be speaking as if I'm sitting right there. I'm going to be speaking to myself and what's in my own life. So let's begin. So we don't live like... We don't live in light of eternity. Let me make that a little bit clearer. We don't live like we're going to stand before God tomorrow. And the things that I personally say, the things that I do, the jokes I'll send to my friends, my focus in life, everything that I'm so focused on in life right now, everything that I'm trying to do, everything I'm trying to build for myself, my hobbies, my job, my friends, you can add a wife, you can add a house, you can add anything to that list. Everything I'm trying to accomplish literally means nothing for eternity. And so if I were to stand before God tonight, what would I have to show for myself? That's, a, that's, that's the question tonight. And let's imagine, let's imagine that everything is just stripped away right now from me. I don't have my keys, my wallet, my cell phone. I'm standing before God. I have absolutely nothing. And God is not going to ask you, how did you like your job? God is not going to ask you did, you, did you have a happy marriage? Did you, did you buy a nice house? Did you have this? Did you have this? He will ask you, what did you do for my glory? And did you dedicate your life to me? Or did you just waste it on your own goals? And we're all running around, I'm running around stressing, like, where am I going to work? What am I going to do with my life? Who should I marry? Does she like me? Does he like me? And our Russian culture is so focused on marriage 
that our parents teach us, you know, we, we grow up in this cycle. It's like you have to get good grades to get a good job, to get a wife, to buy a fat house, to buy a bunch of cars, and then just to have kids and then repeat and throw them into that cycle. And we're running around, we're so anxious, and we see our friends around us getting married, and we're like looking at, the, looking at our timer, and we're like, man, I only have, I've heard, I've heard this term, it's like the sweet, I don't know what to call it, like the sweet spot, it's like I only have a couple years, and then it's going to be too late for me to get married. Have you guys heard of that? Like this is the time right now, this is the perfect time to get married, and we have anxiety after anxiety after anxiety. And yet, Apostle Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And the first thing you're going to say is, Peter, you're taking that verse out of context. Jesus is talking about food and water and clothes in that verse. You can't apply it to everything in your life. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to go for a little stretch here, but how are you supposed to get food and clothes and water? By, with, with having money, with buying it, right? How do you get money? By having a job. Is it that far of a stretch to pray to God, to seek God first, for him to bless you and provide for you? If you ask God for bread, if you ask your heavenly father for bread, will he give you a stone? If you, the, the Bible says that the father knows what we need before we even ask him. God knows our needs before we even ask him. So seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added to you. The problem is in my life, in our life, the problem is that we aren't seeking God and we're not putting him first. And we plan, we plan to spend eternity with God in heaven, right? And yet here on earth, we can't even give a minute to him in our day. We can't give 30 minutes to him in our day. And I'm not talking about coming here to church. And I'm not talking about coming here and praying to God and worshiping God. This is not the time I'm talking about. I'm talking about when no one's watching you, when you're all alone, are you seeking God first and putting him first? Instead of spending hours on YouTube, hours on Instagram, hours on Snapchat, hours on Netflix, are we genuinely seeking him, God, just to know him better? And we forget that we're going to stand before God one day, and we're going to have absolutely Nothing to show for ourselves. And imagine I'm going to throw out like a hypothetical. If everyone here in youth comes, and no one, imagine no one is seeking God. Imagine everyone just coming here week after week, and we're not seeking God, yet we're still coming back. We have, it literally becomes nothing but a social circle. If God is not here, we're literally just coming back to talk to our friends, to go to our amazing coffee shop, and I, I asked this question, why did I come here today? The whole point of me being up here is not to grab this microphone in one hand and a nice club in the other hand and just beat you guys down, beat you guys down. You guys are this, you guys are that. And a couple weeks ago, I signed in my sermon that the reason I'm standing up here is not because I am just, just got to this level and this, but because... I'm the, I'm the guy, I'm the boy whose mom told him not to touch the hot iron. And I touched it, right? And I got burned. I was like, ah, that hurts. But then I went back and I touched it 15 times again. Touched it 15 times again. And I got burned. And I'm here to say that the iron is hot. Don't touch it. And I want, I'm telling you guys to stop, stop worrying about your life and seek God first. Because without him, you can do absolutely nothing. The first question is, what do you mean you can do absolutely nothing without God? 
I can become a millionaire. I can become a billionaire. I can change the world. I can make an impact in this world. What do you mean that I can't do anything without God? I'm saying that you can't do anything that has eternal value without Jesus Christ. You literally cannot do anything that will have lasting value, have eternal value without God here on earth. And I can be Mother Teresa for all that matters. I can give my whole life to the poor, but if I never believed Jesus, if I never accepted him, there is no eternal value to me. There is no reward. There is nothing. So if I don't believe that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus is the only reason that I'm going to heaven, not because of my works, not because of my righteousness, but because I sin every single day and I need Jesus Christ, this life profits me nothing of my own works and I will end up in hell if I do not take that grace upon myself. And what's my point? I've been talking for a while now and what point am I getting to? I still even make a point. I, what I wanted to say is for us to completely surrender your life to God and to seek him first and to trust in him. Take hold of the promises written inside of this book right here and stand on them and live them out. And recently I was at the Goodwill and I like to go there and there's a lot of good Christian books you can buy for like a couple dollars. And so I was out there and I found this book on Sunday and it's called the Bible Promise Book. And I got it for like a couple bucks and Actually, one of my favorite Bibles I actually got from the Goodwill. And this Bible promise book, it literally has categories for like faith. It has categories for God's promises. You look up God's faithfulness and it gives you a bunch of verses where it shows you and tells you the promises of God. Like God is faithful. And the same God, and I can, I can, I can live on my own and I can have anxiety and stress and not believe in the promises of God or I can take hold of the promises of God and live it out. And the same God who holds the sun, the moon, the stars, the whole universe, the same God who holds the galaxy in his hand that keeps things from colliding, that keeps us just in perfect order, that's not chaotic. He has so much power and so much strength and yet we don't want him to have control of our lives. If you, just, if you think about it that way, that God has so much power and we don't want him to literally have control over, over our lives. And we think that God doesn't have our best intention in mind. We think we know better than God. He knows every single hair on your head. He knows the number of the stars that are in the sky. And literally, he can strike me down dead right now if he wanted to. But he doesn't and he uses me, and instead he protects me, because that's the kind of God he is. And I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel where, where I'm saying that. Just seek God, and he'll give you everything you want in your life. You want this, you want that, just seek God. He'll give you everything, you know? I'm preaching that it's, if, you, if you trust in God, and if you live for the sake of eternity, God will provide for you along the way. God might take you out of Washington. God might take you out of America, out of comfort. If you're seeking him first, he'll take you out. Circumstances will just fall into place. And he will do it all for the sake of his glory. All, or he will keep you in Washington. He'll keep you at Slavic Christian Center. He'll give you a ministry here. And also, it is for his glory. And I really like what this guy, uh, preacher Paul Washer said, that if it is God's will to grind me into powder for his glory, then so be it. So be it. If it is God's will to keep me in Washington at Slavic Christian Center, then so be it. I'm saying trust in God. I'm saying it like trust in God is so easy to do. Just trust in God. Just trust in God. It's so easy. Just do it. 
Trusting God is so hard because it goes against logic, it goes against reality, it goes against popular opinion. In the Old Testament, Abraham, God tells Abraham that he's going to have a son. Abraham's like 100 years old. Sarah, it's biologically impossible for her to have kids. And yet God keeps his word and they have a child and God fulfills his promise. Gideon had an army that was 32,000 men against over 100,000 men. And God is like, 32,000 men is still too much. Let's cut this number down. Let's cut it down. Let's cut it down. 1,000 men. Three, they're left with 300 men against over 100,000 men. And God does it just to prove that God is strong. God does it just to prove that he is mighty and so that he would get all the glory. So that no one would say that we came here on our own. We did this on our own. God gets all the glory. Apostle Peter denies Jesus three times before a servant woman, someone who is like this low person in society. He came and stand up. He couldn't even stand up for Jesus before this person. And yet, when Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, preaches, over 3,000 people get saved. It is the power of God. God is looking for weak people to do his will. God is looking for people who the world calls foolish to do his will. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.26, let's open up to that. 1 Corinthians 1.26. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish, the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world, and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God, but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. We literally need to become weak before God to be used by God. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We are just literally so self-sufficient in our lives that we cannot be used by God in the way that we need to be used. And in my life, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit for two years, for two straight years, just to surrender your life to God. Surrender your life to God. And I was still holding on, still holding on. And till, till, till this day, I, there's still stuff I'm holding on to. And I'm like, there is still some stuff that I cannot fully just give up to God. It's like, I need to do this on my own. I need to do this on my own. And God sends situations to break down your barriers. He'll break down the walls. He will smash the vessels that, in the Old Testament, talks about these vessels, these cisterns that leak water. God wants to give you this vessel that just holds water and your cup is filled with water, but we are choosing these cracked cisterns. We're choosing these cracked clay jars that leak water, and they never satisfy. And God is just going to break those and break those and break those until literally he breaks everything and there's nothing left. And... There is, I believe that there is never a point that we can say, that I can say, that any of us can say that, oh yeah, I fully trust God now. I just fully trust him, you know? Like I get everything in the Bible, I fully trust him. I'm going to live that way. It's, it's a process. It takes years and years and years of God showing you through circumstances, through the Bible, through people. 
And I was literally so scared to give God any control in my life because I like everything neatly organized. I like everything steady. I like to have just complete control over everything. And all it takes is just a little bit of faith. All it takes is faith as small as a mustard seed, and God will use that. You say, God, I can't imagine how I would give control to you in my life. I'm scared to give control to you, but I have a little bit of faith. Please use that faith. Please work in my life. And God sees if you're genuine, God will see that, and he will start working in your life. And, you know, sometimes there's in, in points in my life where I'm like, God, I trust you so fully that, you know, we have these 300 men. We're going to go against these 100,000, and we're going to succeed. And then there's times in my life, there's weeks, months, seasons in my life where you wouldn't even, like, say, is Peter even a Christian? Look at his life. It's like this lack of faith is this and it's just this cycle. It's like, God, I have faith in you. And then, and then once I, like, get proud or whatever, God knocks me down. And then I go up, and God knocks me down. And it's, I just wanted to kind of share a testimony that I've shared before in the past. And it's about how God, how I was trying to get into, like, a medical program and that, At the same time, that was when I was started, like, God, I literally have really little faith that I want to give control to you. And I applied for this medical program, and I was like, God, if it is your will, then I won't get in. But if it is your will, then they will accept me. And I didn't get in. And then after that, it was just seeking God for, and it was just like, God, I trust you. And a year went by in my life, and I wasn't. I wasn't, like, really looking for a job. I was just kind of lost, and I was like, God, what do you want me to do? And maybe it was just, like, really naive. Maybe I was just, like, expecting a job just to fall from heaven, and I'm like, God, I trust you. But God sees people, he sees genuine people who are seeking him. And a year, a year goes by, and logic, and Satan's telling me, like, You're, this is dumb. Like, you're wasting your life. Everyone around you, your friends, they're going to school. They're getting jobs. Everything's going around you, and you're just sitting here not doing anything. Like, how can you trust God with your life? And the time goes by, and, I'm, and I start applying around places, and I'm like, God, if this is from you, then, and I just didn't know. And I was, I was like, God, if this is from you, then let me get in. If this is not, then don't let me get in. And there's places where I went for the interview, and they liked me. And it seems like everything was going good. And all of a sudden, just no calls back. It was like two or three jobs, just nothing back. After going to an interview, and they're like, and then they call you after the interview, and they're scheduling stuff with you. And I'm like, God, if this is not from you, then I don't want it. And I don't get it. And so I applied. I applied for this electrical job. And at the same time, I was asked to go to Ukraine, and this was during the summertime for a month. And a lot of times it's like God opens doors and you take those doors. But at the same time, it's like, God, did you want, do you want me to go to Ukraine this year? Do I go or do I not go? And this was like months before the Ukraine trip. And there was a prophecy to me. And the prophecy was that, and this, this happened at a really low time where I was just like, my faith is just like, so lacking, and I was just like, I was so exhausted of just like sitting around, and I was just like, it was almost like, like resenting God, and I was like, God doesn't love me, God doesn't this, and then the prophecy is, Peter, I love you, listen to my word, listen to my voice, you know, you're going to get the job, you're going to become an electrician, you're not going to go to Ukraine this year, I have a different plan for you that month, and there was a couple other things that were said, like really personal things that like only between me and God. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go to Ukraine this year. And I'm just like, and then after like a week or two after that, Roma Dioshkin came up to me and he asked me to help out in upstream, 
which was that same month, it was the same amount of time that, like, my brother went to Ukraine. As soon as he left, I started upstream. As soon as he came back, it ended. And it didn't click till a month after I was asked to do upstream that, like, maybe this is what God was talking about. Like, I have different plans for you that month. And literally at the end of upstream, I get called, like, right when it ends, I get called to my job interview. I get the job. And within, like, a couple weeks, I start working. And, and I wanted to just say that, like Andrew was saying this morning, is just to seek. I know my time is running out. Andre was saying just to seek God genuinely. Just to find a time and place. And God, I want to give my life to you. I want to give this to you. We, we put so much emphasis in ourselves we put so much um we put everything in ourselves like we can do everything but am i am i going to stand before god and what am i going to have to show for myself if i lived a life that was not in the will of god i remember uh alex shevchenko he had this sermon and he was saying how this pastor at the end of his life he had a word from god and it was like you did so god was saying you did so much for me but I wish you did those things with me. And it was like, he did so much for God, but that wasn't God's will in his life. He was doing it on his own power. He's like, I wish you would have done it with me. And so my call today is to seek God. I'm not going to make an altar call. I'm not going to make anything. I want you guys to come home when no one's watching. I want you guys just to start seeking God. It doesn't have to be, like, drastic. It just starts off really slow, God. And months go by and months go by. There's dry seasons. Like, nothing is happening. But if you keep seeking God and you, and you genuinely seek the will, if God takes you from your comfort, if he completely changes all the plans that you had in your mind, if it is God's will, you'll be so happy there. You'll be so happy knowing that that's God's will because... I, they, they, I started working, they sent me to school, and I remember I had to miss youth because I was doing like a work training thing, and it was really boring and it was really basic, and I was like, man, why am I even here? This is such a waste of time, and I literally am like, God gave me this job, I'm living in God's will, I'm living in God's will, so, and I'm living in God's will, so me being here is not a waste of time. So just a call to genuinely seek God for all of us. Amen.